1: Seedworm is an organization or a group that we have been following since 2017.
0: That's Al Cooley. He's Director of Product Management at Symantec. The research we're discussing today is titled Seedworm. Group compromises government agencies, oil and gas, NGOs, telecoms, and IT firms.
1: We have a regular list of uh, cyber adversaries that as a intelligence organization, we track and monitor and Seedworm is amongst them. And I suspect, uh, I don't recall back early 2007, how we first started on the tracking of Seedworm, but typically we have proactive threat hunting activities that we undertake as an intelligence organization where we go out and both look to update the uh, profiles of uh, cyber actors we follow, as well as discover new ones. And I suspect that's how they came on our radar through one of our regular hunting activities.
0: Yeah, well, let's dig into some of the specifics here about seedworm and the specific things that you all outline in this publication here. In this particular case, uh,
1: how did they uh, catch your attention? This is kind of interesting. They actually caught our attention as part of one of the activities I just talked about, which is regularly updating our profile of APT28, which is a group that is of high interest to many of our customers. So we routinely seek out changes in their activity. And so that's what we were doing. We're actually looking for APT28 Activity, which we did indeed find, we were looking at a system in the embassy of Mideastern Entity, and there was indeed APT28 activity there. But as we investigated, we uncovered evidence of seedworm activity based upon our previous knowledge of that group. So this uh, obviously is of interest to us as an intelligence organization. So we did some digging and investigation, and we uncovered evidence of activity that was not previously known. We were not only able to see the initial entry point, but we were able to track subsequent activities after the entry and see their lateral movement activity.
0: Is the conclusion then that Seedworm has some
1: sort of relationship with APT28? Um, No, we don't think that's the case. You know, certainly that's something you go and investigate because, as you know, there have been cases in the past where what was thought as two independent activities have turned out to be somewhat related. That wasn't the case here. We continue to track these as two separate activities. just happens to be that they were on the same system, obviously a system which was thought to have interesting data since they were both there.
0: I see. So let's dig into some of the details about seedworm itself. Can you take us through how does it work? How does it get in and what does it do once it's there?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, Always interesting and kind of the heart of what we're trying to communicate to your audience uh, so that they can better prepare themselves. So in a typical seedworm compromise, the compromise is initiated via an email, which would contain a malicious Macro-enabled Microsoft Word document, and that, of course, delivers the custom malware that they're known for using. Once the victim opens the Lure PowerMUD document, PowerMUD is the name of the malware that they use, the custom malware. So once they open that Lure document and enable macros, then the malicious code executes Now, obviously, they they do some social engineering and do some preparation of the email and the document to make it look attractive. So once the um, malicious code executes, it gathers system configuration information, and that might be IP information, uh, OS, username, and so forth, and registers that with the CNC infrastructure. And then it goes on to retrieve additional commands. One of the interesting things we saw is that a Seedworm attempts to hide their own CNC infrastructure behind a proxy network of compromised web servers. So they, they are trying to be somewhat discreet in that respect.
0: The folks who spin up Seedworm, what sort of tools are they using? Is it off the shelf stuff? Are they customizing their own tools? What's the breakdown there?
1: Yeah, it's actually a combination. So they do have their own malware. There was the, or is the PowerMUD backdoor, which is a custom tool created by or on the behest of that group. And a new tool we discovered in this publication, which we call PowMuddy. So two backdoors that are custom to them, and those perform relatively similar functions. The new variant, PowMuddy, That is a code rewrite, the older power muddy backdoor that had been enhanced and evolved over a period of time, uh, likely for the purpose of ensuring it remains able to avoid detection or trying to avoid detection. So the backdoors are a custom tool that they've developed, and then they also use either off-the-shelf or customized versions of some open-source tools. So these would be things like lasagna for finding passwords and harvesting passwords, CrackMap exec, which would help them with lateral movement. So those types of tools are either used as-is or with customization. And then interestingly, we found that they were using a GitHub repository, too. That's kind of interesting. When we looked in there, we found custom PowerShell scripts that mapped uh, to activities we had seen in compromised sites, as well as customization around some of those off-the-shelf tools that we had seen in victims. So a combination of custom and off-the-shelf tools.
0: Now, you also discovered uh, a Twitter account that you think might be associated
1: with the group? Yes, yes. And so, you know, this is the case where once you discover something like the GitHub account, we look for similarities in other media to the profile of the account we discovered in GitHub. And we found a profile at Twitter that aligned pretty closely to the account in GitHub. And then when we went and looked at the activities of that Twitter account, we could see that the individual who set up that account was following researchers that wrote on Seedworm. We also discovered that they were uh, following people who uh, did enhancements to the tools they use. So that confirmed our thought that these two accounts are associated with the Seedworm group.
0: Yeah, interesting. As, as you pull that thread. Let's walk through uh, some of who they're targeting and how they're going about doing it. In terms of the victims that they're going after here, what were you seeing there?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. From a victimology perspective, we did a in-depth dive into a uh, Roughly a two-month period, so from late September to mid-November of last year, we found 131 unique victims compromised over that rough two-month period, and we're pretty lucky because we have a large repository of sensor information that we, as a you know large uh, cybersecurity company, have available to us. So we're able to see a lot of activities that we difficult for many people to find. Right. So. Yeah, so we found 131 unique victims that are compromised over that two-month period. Most of them were located in the Mideast. So that would be places like Pakistan, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, and places like that. But there were some that were in both the European Union and North America. But when we did a little bit of poking into those victims, we found many links from those victims back to the Mideast. So the Mideast seems to be the common thread that we see amongst a lot of the victims. You can also look at the victims from a uh, industry perspective, Mm. uh, because that gives you some different insights into what they might be after. And uh, they included government agencies. Oil and gas production companies and some non-governmental agencies, which you know tends to point you in the direction of you know cyber espionage. We also saw a reasonable number of victims in the service industries, IT and telecom services. So those aren't typically thought to be victims themselves, but more as a vehicle towards getting further information on the end victims because they're likely to be providing services. To those victims.
0: Hmm. Now, in terms of uh, what they're after, do you have any visibility there? What do you suppose their goal is here?
1: Yeah, typically a cyber espionage group is tasked by their sponsors to getting information, actionable information on issues that are important to the sponsor at that point in time. So that can be information on organizations involved in discussions that are going on that are important to them. Individuals who may be driving actions in either geographies or topics of interest to them. So that's typically what they're tasked with getting.
0: I see. Now, in terms of folks protecting themselves against these uh, specific attacks, what are your recommendations?
1: There's a variety of things that people can do. Certainly, you want to make sure you have in place both network and endpoint protections because there are detections available for the malware that they're using. And in fact, when we looked at the victims that we studied, we did feel that those protections were firing. So certainly put those in place. Other things you can do is the monitoring of administrative tools Those should be monitored and you should not see anybody using administrative tools that's not an administrator in your organization. So if an end user is using an administrative tool, that is something you should definitely take a look at. Other things you can do are the basic things around end user education. Don't download documents you are not familiar with. Don't open them don't enable macros, uh, all those uh, basic housekeeping. Organizations can also uh, monitor or block access to the network locations that we've outlined in our publication. So the command and control infrastructure, you can be monitoring connections to there. And you can also do searches for the uh, hashes that we provided for the files. So uh, there's quite a range of things that people can do to protect themselves.
0: So what's your estimation of the level of sophistication of this group?
1: This group has been quite active, uh, as we saw from the number of victims. They appear to be successful, as we saw from the number of victims, but I would not put them on the sophisticated end of the spectrum. They seem to be focused on speed, agility, and getting the information they want rather than stealth and caution. So I would not put them on the sophisticated end of the spectrum, but I would say they are obviously being effective with uh, the tools they're using.
0: And, and how about uh, persistence? When you've discovered them and alerted organizations to their presence and, and taken action to get them out of the system, what's that process been like? Do they come back and try to get back in or uh, what do you see there?
1: No, I I think it appears that they're targeting changes over time. Hmm. So it doesn't appear that targets of interest on day X are necessarily targets of interest on day Y. There may be some exceptions to that, but that's a, a judgment based upon the analysis we've done.
0: Are there any sort of overarching take homes when you when you look at the big picture of what a group like this represents in the the larger ecosystem, if you will, of of the folks that we're defending against? Any thoughts on on where they sit in that ranking?
1: Yeah, I would say these are not folks that I would put at the high end of the importance list to our customers. Certainly, they are being successful at getting information that is relevant to their sponsors, but they don't have the large impact and the footprint that would put them at the high end of our customer's concern list. They're certainly active and need to be paid attention to, but I wouldn't put them uh, at the high end of that list.
0: Our thanks to Al Cooley from Symantec for joining us. The research is titled Seedworm. Group compromises government agencies, oil and gas, NGOs, telecoms, and IT firms. We'll have a link in the show notes.